0: There's an old spiritual, my Lord, what a morning when the stars begin to fall. And you've just heard the gospel reading that it comes from, and I get to wear this stole this time of year because Velda Ishizaki, who was the wife of the rector of St. Albans in Westwood when I was a curate, um, listened basically to my sermon on this reading um, 23 years ago um, and said, let's make a stole. Isn't that amazing? Um, it looks like leaves and stars and tears, all cut up in one. Um, come look at it if you want, I love this. I love this stole. My Lord, what a morning when the stars begin to fall. Jesus will return and make things right. This is from near the end of Mark and we will be reading Mark all of next year. Here is Jesus' telling in Mark of the end of it all the great wrestling that the Bible does with why there is so much struggle in the world. Why, they have asked Jesus, or maybe it is how, they are asking, will the God of the prophet Isaiah make God's self known to us? When will we see God's dream, God's justice for us? The disciples ask and Jesus tells them this story and so many of the stories that we have been listening to in this time of year in the church. The kingdom of God is coming, Jesus says. Watch for it, stay awake. So we Christians have been watching as a people for 2,000 years, so do take a metaphor for what is a metaphor. Being hypervigilant for an extraterrestrial force to smite your enemies is not our way. But of course, many of us can think of people that deserve some smiting, um, either when you're driving right on the road or over in that gold dome or war makers. Sometimes people seeking higher office, perhaps a sports team from from a neighboring state at times. right? Sometimes the one who has power over you at work or the one who treats you badly at school. When will the world know that we are right? Or more deeply, when will this world be fair or compassionate or just? When will antisemitism end? When will Palestinians live in peace? These are the earliest questions, these kinds of questions. And for those for whom this life is a constant struggle, and I know that some of you, the stars falling out of the sky like on my stole, the way things seem to work in the world collapsing might seem just fine. To an enslaved spiritual writer, let the stars fall from the sky, that sky that has watched our suffering, like so many tears, let the stars fall, let the balance of this universe be upset, might make sense. You heard in today's reading the word slave, and some interpretations of our Bible use the word servant, because it's a little bit easier to take, frankly. A person trapped in poverty, maybe, but at least paid. But the word in Greek actually translates well to slave even if slavery at that time was very different than the way it happened in this country. It was more like being a servant in many ways, but it might be okay for us in this part of the world to hear that word at the beginning of this church's season of darkness. Advent is a preparation or anticipation for a revelation. Something very good and disturbing is coming, and we know it. God in flesh here on earth is coming. And so we are to prepare and to anticipate it. And how do we anticipate it? How do we prepare? It says that we wait in the stirring darkness. It's in our music and the readings, the prayers and the art for Advent. So if you were in the Southern Hemisphere, like if you're in Australia or something where it's summer, this is absolutely a metaphor and an act of imagination. But for those of us in the Northern Hemisphere, it is darker and colder even in the desert at night. We are all, or at least I am fighting not to go to bed at 7 p.m. because it has been so dark for so long already. And we in this country have equated darkness and enslavement and blackness. And so an idea which might have had only to do with night and the depths of the earth and the womb in biblical times have an association now with oppression and judgment and even racism. So we should struggle with it to make meaning or as Phyllis Tribble says, wrestle with the text until it gives you a blessing, like Jacob with the angel. So what is the blessing? Let us consider the signs of our times and be alert for what God is stirring up in this time. The English poet Sarah Williams concludes a poem about an astronomer offering his final words to his student with this verse. Though my soul may set in darkness, it will rise in perfect light, I have loved the stars too truly to be fearful of the night. I have loved the stars too truly to be fearful of the night. I took one class in astronomy in college, mostly so I could sit in the amazing planetarium at Agnes Scott College. The math was so completely beyond me that it was not a successful academic endeavor for me. (laughs) I didn't know about the math part. So in Decatur, like in Atlanta, you can't just look up in the sky to see the vastness of the stars. We had to take a class with a very expensive set of machines that could see and replicate the night sky so that we could study it. The people who first heard Jesus could have just looked up. Imagine he is speaking to them in the night and they looked up, right? imagine sarah williams herself in 1850 when she wrote or an enslaved african in that same year in this town hearing these words on an advent evening and looking up at the glory of a star-filled night making meaning right then maybe in awe at their place in the vast expanse of the universe has the universe decreed this order for my life i wonder if they wondered the god who stretched the spangled heavens is this way god's will they must have wondered i wondered if the dark i wonder if the dark was frightful in the same ways for them before powered up cities like we have today or was it for some simply another time illuminated by stars that could be seen seen by eyes that adjusted to see the stars every night to notice the landscape in starlight as well as in daylight was there more to know about darkness that we have lost because we can make light all the time? Have we forgotten how to function in darkness and limited how we notice darkness because we have been taught to understand it as a void or as bad? Have we lost something of what the Bible is telling us and wants us to know about darkness? Well, if we go to the beginning, book one, chapter one, verse two in the old translations of the Bible in English, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep. There is darkness from the very beginning. But a better translation, we are told, would be something like this. When God began to create the heavens and the earth, the earth was complete chaos, and darkness covered the face of the deep. Do you hear the little difference? When God began to create, different than in the beginning, When God began to create, this is about God's hand in the current situation, and in this current situation, there is already, before God began to create, earth, chaos, darkness, and deep. The deep is waters, the sea, they already exist. Now we know this about waters. We see it in the Old Translation. God never creates water. It's a shocking thing about creation. It's just there. Creation emerges from it and so we baptize, life emerges from water, and new life, the life of Christ, should emerge symbolically from water. But do you hear that the earth in darkness exists? Darkness exists. Like a planet flung far from a sun drawing in closer towards the light, but darkness exists. A primordial truth like water from which all of life emerges. The metaphor absolutely works. Life from the womb, as we hear in our newer Eucharistic prayers. Resurrected life from the tomb. A cave, as we have always seen and heard it. But maybe not imagined fully. Morning from night. The shadows that emerge when a lone fire is lit in the darkness. The stars in the night sky. A stirring up in darkness revealed in light. The skin of the first flesh. The darkness is not a void. It is a depth, a place. We are invited to sit in the darkness in this season, and every year there is always so much to fear, so much sadness, that we with good reason are light turning on people, though as you know, and I know, it doesn't always help just to turn on the lights. And I sometimes feel that after the time change that I need my own personal grow light that I wear on my own head to keep me cheered up until the daylight stretches out again. We need light. But Advent is a unique season of the church. It's short, and it's one with its own gifts. We wait in darkness, we who do not like to wait, and we who need light to flourish. Like our plants and our trees, we go deep into the places where new life can take deep root. To be very literal, we have the opportunity to grow grow in a different way from a different place in this season. Depth and nourishment we need for the more active times. So we prepare we notice, we must wait and wait and wait for the pricks of light that illuminate the night sky, for the stirring of new life that emerges only in the dark, for the shattering of evil, a darkly radiant vision, some say, and the coming of a new day. Though my soul may set in darkness, it will rise in perfect light. I have loved the stars too truly to be fearful of the night.